0: Welcome to the Cork Church Podcast. We are so glad that you're joining us today. We hope that this message inspires you, builds your faith, and encourages you in the things of the Lord. Enjoy the message. I think the spark for this word, for this little message, was lit up a couple of weeks ago. I was also in Africa, uh, not Zambia, but a, a rougher part, West Africa in Cameroon. It's called the armpit of Africa for a reason. I've been going there for 31 years and 31 years ago I met a man called Francis. He was a locksmith, a gregarious extrovert, always a bit loud in the meetings, always a bit of a rebellion against the You know the elders. He always had another idea. A bit of an he was an evangelist. He had a shop, and I remember he asked me, "Could I ever get him uh, one of the the key cutting machines?" So I found a key cutting machine in Dublin, a second hand one. And when I told the man I wanted it for a friend in Africa, he gave it for me to me for a very good price. I remember bringing it out to him. It was so heavy. And I said, I'll bring it out as hand luggage. And I don't know if you've ever tried boarding an airplane. And you feel guilty, you are guilty, and you have this weight. Well, I had this just... And I was going, smiling at it. And they stopped me, and I said... Ah. And I told the story. And unlike Air France, in, in many other ways, they said, okay, bring it out. I brought it out to him, and we became friends. And I heard that early in the year... This year, he, he, he was dying and he had a very serious operation on his back. Post-operative care in that part of the world is, is pretty minimal. And they, more or less, they sent him home. And he had a slim chance of recovery, but a large chance that he would die. And his wife and some of his six daughters, they took him in, they gathered around him, they did their best... And they prepared for the worst. But a friend in the church, in fact, he's one of the elders in the church and his wife, they said to his wife, why don't we take him in and you come as well and we will care for him. And they nursed him. Oh, it took two months. And the pastor's wife said, she said, the Lord seemed to tell me what to do, how how to bring him back. One night he'd be about to die and then he'd come forth. And last week, uh, in fact, last Sunday was the last meeting of four that we had in, in, in the church he was at. And there he was, Francis, front row every night. With his, he has to have a, a like a crutch, singing the Lord, a big new Bible, a notebook, so changed, so different. And he told me, he said, although he hadn't died the experience to him had been like that he was in a grave out of which he said I've now risen and I've entered through a gateway through a door into a much deeper experience of Jesus he said I I, I can't explain it he's different now his brush with physical death has changed him Uh, he still has that certain charm, but he's not so self-assured. He's mellower, he's kinder, he's more sensitive, and above all, he's hungry for the things of God. And flying home on Monday across, the, it's a long flight home, across the Sahara Desert, that little phrase, your graves are gateways, stayed with me. I confess, I never thought I'd be speaking about it this morning, but here we are. And I just want to say this, there's no principle so profound in the plan of redemption as the principle of life from death. If that's all you hear today, I hope you'll hear a bit more, but if that's all you hear, and that's what we've heard, we've had a... A living demonstration of that. Jesus said, unless a grain of wheat falls into the ground and dies, it remains alone. Of course, he's talking about himself and the principle that he introduced. But he said, if it dies, it produces more grain. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. One more scripture, Romans, Paul takes this up and he said, if you live according to the flesh horizontally, you'll die. But if by the spirit, please note that, you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. Now just bear with me one more time. Charles Ellicott has a translation of this verse. And he says this, hang in there. If under the influence of the spirit, you choose to reduce to a condition of deadness and entropy all those practices to which the impulse of your material nature would prompt you, you will live. Wow. (laughs) But you know, I'm thinking of Francis. And just think think of when we die. It is but... Put a door into another world, into another existence. That's what Scripture teaches us. That's what the promise of God is. But there's also various experiences that we'll have in the meantime. Have you heard the expression, "Oh, I died a death"? <laughs> Actually, we go through things that seem like a death to us. Live long enough. And some of you here have known these things deeply. They're like what Francis says, it was a grave to him. But the great promise today, the great promise, eternal promise of God, that those experiences are gateways. When you think there's no way out, or when you know you have to do something, Maybe you have to forgive someone who's wounded you deeply and you say, I can't. I'd rather die. And a little while later, you feel the tug again. Forgive him. Forgive her. Or maybe you've suffered the loss of someone or something that was very valuable to you. There isn't always an explanation, folks. Maybe it's an unexpected broken heart, which some of you have just covered up, and you've never really got over it. Maybe it's an unrealized ambition you've had to die to. Maybe it's the stigma of apparent failure. Maybe it's something very offensive that has happened to you. An abuse of some sort. And something inside you you feel has died. And we know that when we know Jesus and we abide in him, trust in him, he enables something to happen in our lives, but it's still there. But, but it's, it's, I've seen something that our graves are actually gateways. And as we yield to him, sometimes it's over time. Sometimes it's in great agony of soul. Sometimes it's four o'clock in the morning on a couch. In your front room, those most hurtful things you yield to him, and rather than a dead end and just fading away, he causes a way to open up for you that at times, like Francis, he never thought possible. We'll return to that shortly. I just want to say something about physical death. In fact, I want to read something about it in Ecclesiastes chapter 7, verse 1 to 4. This is the New Living Translation. The day you die is better than the day you are born. What? That's what the Bible says. Better to spend your time at funerals than at parties. After all, everyone dies. So, the living should take this to heart. Sorrow is better than laughter, for sadness has a refining influence on us. A wise person thinks a lot about death, while a fool thinks only about having a good time. Wow. <laughs> I remember reading that verse and it said, I'm never going to preach on that verse. <laughs> Well, in 1993, Billy Graham preached on these verses at the funeral of a lady called Patricia Nixon, who was the wife of a former American president called Richard Milhouse Nixon. They'd had their fair share of trouble and grief, sorrow and strife in their lives, and he'd been forced to resign before he would have been impeached. And I think when Billy Graham chose this verse to preach on, it was a very bold choice, but it was a very right one for the Nixon family and for the whole world that we're watching. Politicians, they're used to arguing, they're used to making decisions, they sometimes make a decision to lead their nations to war, and I wonder sometimes what their their, their view is of eternity. Very few people really think about the really important questions that affect us all. And the most important question of all is death and what comes next. And if you spend some time thinking about it, you really don't have a lot of choice outside of receiving Jesus, receiving the gospel and what that means. That's why it's such a privilege, isn't it, to being a reader of the Bible where we see these eternal issues expressed before us as we read it. Finding faith in Jesus is It doesn't make you morbid, but it imparts to us a deep, joyous hope of life beyond the grave, plus the graves that we, in inverted commas, that we travel through maybe a few times during our lives. I'm not talking about, you know, you get hit with penalty points. I'm not talking about those sort of, these are deep things that happen to you. You live long enough and you'll have a few of them in your life. And let you know those are also gateways into something greater and bigger and more wonderful for you, like our sister testified, like my friend Francis. In 1966, Alexandra Solzhenitsyn, he completed a novel called Cancer Ward. I've read it. I don't really recommend it. Years ago, I read it, but... the following year that he wrote it was banned in the Soviet Union and it tells the story of a small group of patients in a terminal cancer ward in a hospital somewhere in Tashkent I think it was the year after Stalin had died so dark years in the 50s and most of them have come to die and the party bigwigs, all the way down to the small unimportant uh, manual workers they're all in the same ward And the important people, they can't let go of their self-importance, their ambitions that are now unattainable to them and trivial. And they can't let go of their former way of living life and the way they treat the nurses. People that are dying, they often write letters that they should have written years ago. Sometimes they make phone calls, they say prayers, they give hugs, they give gifts that were long overdue. It's amazing what pending, pending death can do to people. And you'll find the Bible is right. If you think of these verses in Ecclesiastes, if you take a long, hard look at our own mortality, it purifies us all purifies those petty things that can so easily preoccupy us. Now, folk, you're probably not going to die soon. Most of us, anyway. But the point is this. Occasionally, just take a long look at this and realize, I can now make my life count. Like Kathleen. She's come out of the grave. Her life is counting. Like... Gareth, in case you're wondering about he said we've one kidney between us. We actually have two kidneys between us. I've got one and he's got one. His was diseased. I got kicked there when I was 15. Very promising sporting career. Being challenged for Leinster, etc., youths, etc. And I got a split kidney with a knee in the back. Nearly killed me. It took me five or six years to really forgive God (laughs) robbed me of something but in fact he just redirected my life but both these people as they were up here today from grave to gateway and there's some of you I just feel some of you may be online and you're it's like a grave to you right now and we're going to short time this morning but I'm actually here next Sunday and I actually have some more of this sort of thing theme as I will wait before the Lord, but that's where I think I will continue with because it's such an important thing. Remember, there's no principle so profound in the plan of redemption as the principle of life through death. So it's worthwhile maybe spending more than another 10 minutes on. It's deeply written in the processes of nature. We're sustained by buried seeds that have died and now have brought forth fruit. Spring comes every year from the grave of winter, etc., etc. And as in the natural, so in the spiritual. You know, the Old Testament symbol of circumcision, the New Testament ordinance of water baptism are all symbols of death which ultimately find their fulfillment in the cross and resurrection of Jesus Christ. That's why that 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 event is the apex it's the center it's the core it's the key of everything. It's not it, it was a one off event but it was an eternal event. It's it happened it was being planned before the foundations of the earth and there'll always be the lamb of god. He'll have other names some of the names we don't know yet. Hallelujah. The most profound truths connected with our deeper spiritual life are associated with the idea of death. Now, it's not terribly popular to get up and speak on death. And sometimes we shy away from these things intuitively in our heart. Oh, anything to, anything to have a, a quiet life. Anything to have a bit of comfort and joy. No, not, a, not for any sake. There are some things you and I have to go through. When Paul introduces the subject of sanctification. Now you all know what that means. Very simply, it means to be set apart by God for His use. So he saves us at salvation, and then he sets about making us right for His use. We're His property. And he teaches that we enter into union with the death of Christ and then into the resurrection life of Christ. By, and it says this, this is how. He says, reckon ourselves dead indeed unto sin, but alive unto God through Jesus Christ. Now, I'm not going to bring out charts of what is sanctification and everything else because it's an experience and the Holy Spirit takes us through that but that's what happens to you he's making us of use to him and so any serious or intentional purpose in person in choosing to press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus there will occur times and experiences of dying Ugh dying to self, to ego, to pride, to covetousness. I I knew a man once, he said, he became a Christian, glorious say, but he said, I still have this temper. And he said, people still annoy me, and I fly off the handle. And he said, I've got to learn how to cope with that. And I just said, I didn't know a lot then, but I said the right thing to him. I said, no, brother, you've got to learn to die to it. I saw him some time after, and he said, hey, Larry, yeah, that worked. <laughs> I said, how do you know? My wife told me. <laughs> he said, I, I, I heard something preached, in, and he talked about the book of Romans, and he said, I just asked the Holy Spirit to kill it off in me. And that whole next week, I kept every day, there were things I would if I, lose my temper on. And something in me clicked. And he said, no, I'm not going I'm, I'm I'm, I'm to yield to that anymore. And he said, it was a week of agony. But he said, I don't seem to be, I don't lose the rag anymore. Hallelujah. You know, there are some things that we don't even know are there. I don't know if anyone reads Oswald Chambers, uh, my Atmosphere for his highest. And Oswald Chambers is a man who talks a lot about this stuff. And that's why I sort of, I can take it, at no. I, I, I do try to read him. And he talks about, we die to the right, to our own rights. And you think, oh, it's so opposite to today's culture. You know, the me, my rights, my position, my feelings, you know, I, I prefer to trust Jesus now rather than me. I prefer to trust him for these things. And in this context, Paul, the great man, he said, oh, yeah, there are some things I, I die daily to. And I'm not talking about years of struggle and pain. Oh, I have this temper. I have this. You know, you can have a quick death. It's great to have a quick death. You know, just before... uh, Yeah, okay, we're okay. I was on late. So, just some may say, I just think, what's the big deal of having to die to self and sin? And I could be a bit heavy and say, well, why don't you read the Bible? (laughs) Or... You've just been brainwashed by all social media and the the spirit of the age and everything else, but I won't say that. I say the big deal is because sin is a spiritual virus that makes everything dysfunctional. Absolutely. It makes our hearts kind of numb or deaf to God. It blocks out contact between us and him. It pushes him away. Even as Christians, sin pushes him away. It weakens his influence and it robs us of the word of his power. It can open a door to darkness. It can open a door to deception. It can open a door to perversion. And some of its worst forms are like pride and selfishness and self-pity and self-justification. That's why it's a big deal, folks. So one of the things we're going to finish off here this morning at it's very quiet in the house today. One of the things I'm going to feel, and I, I, I feel to continue, we're coming down next week, is to just look at one great man in the scripture whose life was shaped by graves to gateways, graves to gateways, graves to gateways. And he never seemed to sh- shirk from it. And he was one of the greatest men in the Bible. His name is Joshua. You know, we think of Joshua, yeah, the great warrior. He led that, a whole nation, two million people across, and, in, and in cross, an, an uncrossable river at full flood. And he Jericho, enemies, divided the land. He lived 120 years, and he seems to be just a great man. But I tell you, he knew graves in his life. So we just look at four quickly, and then i leave it with you. But if you're dying something inside, you turn to Jesus. He's the gateway. He's, it isn't any door. He said, I am the door. He is the way, and he's waiting. And maybe you said, oh, help me here. He said, yeah, I'm here, but I want you just by the Spirit to make a decision to die to that thing I'm talking to you about. But it wasn't even my fault. It was his fault. It was her fault. No, no, you die to that. It's not easy. But it's wonderful. My friend Francis, his wife, was telling me he was, he, 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 all his recovery was just awful, messy. Functions went out of control. Teeth got locked and they had to force a straw into quite condensed food down his everything else it was messy thought he was dying thought he was coming back but now i see him in the meeting front row crutch worshiping god a pivotal moment occurred in joshua's life when he was about 85 years of age now in, in today's year that's middle age between forty to fifty. He was at his prime and God said to Moses, Inaugurate him, he's going to take the nation over. He's at his prime and he's ready to embark on this great adventure and fulfilment and destiny. And I'm thinking, How did he arrive here? How did he did he casually did he he drift up to this point? No. He was a prepared man. And he was prepared because of graves and gateways in his life. There's always history. There's always a process, decisions. And there was a dying to other options that set him apart. And he came to that place and he was chosen and he was inaugurated, put in a charge was given to him. So about 40 years earlier, he was then a young man, early 20s. He was actually 40 plus, but it was our equivalent of early 20s. And in a short period of time, maybe 18 months, the scripture records he made four decisions he died four times to something and immediately there was a gateway and he went through the gateway and then another and then, and then we don't hear much of, about him he had to wait he had to wait another 40 years while they went around the wilderness but him and Caleb went into the promised land they were only ones of that generation who went in remember he'd been born as they and grew up as a young man in Egypt, in slavery. He, he had come out through the Red Sea, and he thought they were about to go in, but he was so disappointed. He had to wait 40 years to go in to the promise. But these decisions led him to a place where he is ready now. He's separated. He's prepared for the journey of a lifetime. And very quickly, and I just shout out the numbers to you, uh, the reference to it. The first one is Numbers thirteen and chapter and 13 and chapter 14. Joshua died to the opinions and wishes of others. They were his colleagues who had spied out the promised land. Twelve went in. Ten said, no, we're not going in. And they had nine reasons. If you read that chapter, they had nine reasons not to go in. Him and Caleb only had one reason. They were outnumbered. The minority. And, you know, sometimes we just have to die to the opinion of others, to popular opinion and reason. And if this is a, this is a an era of popular culture and 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 et cetera, it's rife out there. And I see people they write sometimes on their social media FOMO, F O M O, fear of missing out. He died to that. And he said, No, I've a promise of Jehovah in my heart, that we' to go into the land. He trusted in that. Physically, it nearly cost him his life. They were about to stone him. Imagine having friends like that. They were about to stone him. But the gateway appeared. Just as they were about to stone. It said, and, 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 and Bible commentaries are they vary in this, but it says, "The glory of the Lord appeared out of the tabernacle. Shekinah glory came somehow out of the place where it was confined in the tabernacle in that distance and ouch, so everyone saw <gasps> and hidden stone and he sensed the gateway of Shekinah glory he nearly died it showed to all that God was living and the next die, time he died was Exodus 17 he died to not being recognized not being chosen, not being in the higher position. And that can happen in every strata of life, in family life, in work life, in church life. The Amalekites had come in, fierce warriors, and Moses and Aaron and Hurd, they went up to the hilltop. And I can see, maybe this is just me. Josh to think, maybe I'd get up and help lift the hands up and pray meanwhile, down the valley, someone else will deal with, these, with the dirty areas, the enemy, the blood, the sweat, the tears. And Moses said, Joshua, you go down and fight them. We're heading up here to glory. He died to not being recognized and chosen. But there was a gateway for him. He did it. He did it. It may not have been easy. Maybe some of his mates got killed. Maybe he certainly got blood all over him. This was bloody. These were a fierce enemy. But he did it. He'd already had a taste of Shekinah. So he did it. But if you read in chapter 17, verse 14, after it was all over, the Lord, see, the Lord saw it. He told Moses to. Rec- I want you to record. This event in a book, and I want you to make sure Joshua hears it. It said that you have Joshua's ear, and this is the first reference in the Bible to the writing an official record in a scroll or a book. And it was an entry specially made to record the very first battle in which Israel nationally engaged him. And he may not have been recognized at the beginning, but he's recognized now. There's a, a book about what you did, Joshua. The gateway was immediately there. Actually, when you die to this, you're not looking for recognition anymore. Who am I? It set you free from... Uh, how can I impress people? I left school at eighteen. I became a salesman. Everything was impressing people. Ben Dunn, pressing. Thanks to him, I paid my mortgage off in three or four years. I must have made a good impression. I was a salesman. But you know, it was something over the years. After a while, I left my business to someone else, and I just, Lord. The only one I'm interested in t- is impressing you and my wife. <laughs> Keep your priorities, lads. <laughs> anyway, I don't mean that we're reckless or we're casual or things. No, the whole, we live by the Spirit. But, but he was recognized. And it's almost as if he said, Joshua, in the future, you will be able to give orders because here you've learned how to take them. Third one was in Exodus 24. He died to the disappointment of being left halfway up a mountain alone in the clouds for 40 nights. Moses took up Joshua up the mountain of God. This is an actual mountain, Mount Sinai in the Sinai Peninsula. And they went up cloud came over them. And Joshua's thinking, ah, Shekinah, Shekinah glory's here. I'm going to hear what Jehovah's going to say to Moses. A time has come. And after six days, the Lord speaks said Moses come up here. And he's like saying, oh no, another disappointment. I thought I got over it not. Going up to the hilltop can the Amaleks had come and here he's but no, he he accepted it. And he stayed forty days and nights on the side of a mountain. Maybe he had a packed lunch, I don't know. And what was what was I was wondering what is the gateway? Because it doesn't say much except when Moses came down, the anointing upon him, the Ten Commandments in his hands that have changed civilizations. The first man he met, halfway down the mountain, was faithful Joshua. He was first to get the news. You don't miss out. You don't miss out. You don't miss out. That's a great temptation today. Oh, what have I surrendered to Jesus? What have I want to be sanctified by his spirit. What if I, I'm i going to miss out? You don't miss out. You soon realize that the aftertaste of the earth, you know the aftertaste, joys are great, but they don't last very long. Things that you, you've, you've lived all year for, and I don't know, maybe two weeks in Malaga, and you go and you're, yeah, it's okay, and the sun's a bit hot, and now the fires are burning, You have to get home, right? But, but whatever it is, they don't last. Uh, praise the Lord for joys. We need a bit of joy every so often, don't we? But, but, but it's like an aftertaste in your mouth. But this man has experienced the foretaste of glory to come. I experienced that this morning, just as we were worshiping. But I had to sit right down. I don't know why. I feel fine, but I just, Lord. There was a foretaste. There was Shekinah. Hallelujah. The final one. Why don't we turn to Sorry, to Exodus 33. Exodus 33. For some reason, in verse 7, Moses took his tent and pitched it outside the camp, far from the camp, and called it the tabernacle of meeting. This was not the big tabernacle that was in the middle of the camp of two million people, plus two million. They had the big tabernacle, presence of God, badger skins covering. Some of you know this, some of you don't, to read about it. Ten chapters, more chapters have been written about this tabernacle than about the creation of the earth. You get maybe one or two chapters in the creation of the work. You get 10 or 12 chapters of the tabernacle. So it's good to know. But that was in the middle. This was something. Maybe Moses was saying that people are lazy. I want them to come out. And it came to pass that everyone who sought the Lord went out to the tabernacle. Meeting, which was outside the camp. But it appears that didn't last very long. Because a few verses down you realize that they were coming out to worship Moses was out there in the tabernacle, maybe half a mile away. There's, ah, it's too long. And sure, we can do it here from home. We can zoom in. Yeah. At the gateway, they wor- it says they worship him from their yeah. tent door. God doesn't condemn us for that. It was easy. You know, I read a few years ago about uh, uh, what... They did a survey among some of the churches in southern states of California. What are your priorities for your church? And they said, good car parking, good coffee, comfortable seats were the top three. I was a whole group of churches. They probably have changed since then as the Lord has come amongst them. But amazing. And it says in verse, yes, it said there. Verse 10, all the people, they saw the pillar of cloud standing at the tabernacle door. God's presence followed Moses out there. And the people rose and worshipped each man in his own tent door. Well, it's better than sleeping in, isn't it? It is. But read verse 11. So the Lord spoke to Moses face to face as a man speaks to his friend. And he would return to the camp. He liked his bed. I, in, in Africa this, this year, I had one very comfortable bed uh, in a place called Kansamba, Wonderful American mattress, wonderful slept well. And somewhere else I was in, and it was just hard, and it was just, and I didn't sleep. And I know what it is to have a comfortable bed, especially when you're away from home. But anyway, it, it, it may sound a small thing, but it says here he would return to the camp, and then it says, his butt his servant Joshua, the son of Nun, a young man, did not depart from the tabernacle. now I say, well, what are you getting at there, Larry? Well, I'm getting at that he, he died to the convenience of home comforts and have spare time in order to experience the presence of God. Now, you can take this thing legalistically. Don't take it in the spirit I like my home I like to be at home I, I, I enjoy the comforts I enjoy conveniences of course you do but I found in the last 10 years I've probably been, been traveling for 30 odd years to, to third and fourth world countries It's agony the first few times I just find I can adapt I've just said yeah that's fine we we'll sleep here, we we'll sleep on the ground we've no mosquito nets oh well I will pray Lord just keep them away Oh, and last night there was a a black mamba here, but we think it's gone. Oh, right. Have you any raised beds? You know, we're we're saying, but I'm just saying we can get so... Oh, there he is. He died to the convenience of things because he caught sight of something he wanted so much that he didn't consider the inconvenience or time commitment any big deal anymore. Great man. Okay. 40 years later, he's at the cusp of this promised land. And that will be next week. Uh, wouldn't you think that he has died all the deaths that are necessary to go through? He's the commander of the Lord's army. Uh, no. Because there are some things in a few years' time, if we're still here, the Lord, the precious Lord, the Holy Spirit will say, oh, isn't she beautiful yet? Yeah, and we're just going just, just, just to, we, we love her so much. We're conforming her, our him into the image of, of Jesus. And, 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 and yeah, we're going to allow something to go through. All things work together for good for those who love God. And know this, we can die quickly. And there's a gateway. Don't think of the grave. Think of the gateway. C.S. Lewis said this You can't go back and change the beginning, but you can start where you are and change the ending. My friend Francis, he just covered this through his grave experience. And I was thinking as we were worshipping today of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. That was a pretty, that was a pretty hot grave that they were thrown into what was their gateway none other than the son of God there they are in that place and they didn't want to come out the king had to order them to come out there's a death worth dying and you may be just in it but he's bringing you through and out into a great, And you're never too old for this. You're never too mature spiritually for this. And he just may be giving you a little tug these days. But Shekinah is there. The glory, the way ahead is there. I hope that's come over in the, in the because it's very easy to, Preach Romans 6, and it comes very legalistic. And that's a killer. That only makes you more tempered, more moody. But when it comes by the Spirit, Lord, yes, I'm tired of this. I'm tired of feeling this resentment, and I'm so self-righteous about it. I'm just going to die to it. It's wonderful. It's three minutes to one. I'm sorry, I usually try to end before a quarter to, two, but there we go. Uh, hallelujah, have a wonderful day, there's a death worth dying for a life worth living, amen.